You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. You know, when you mention the name Tom McCarthy, it is synonymous with Phillies baseball, but he is so much deeper than that. He has done college football, the NFL, and college basketball. And speaking of college basketball, he will be behind the mic for the upcoming NCAA tournament. So it is my pleasure and my privilege to welcome in my friend Tom McCarthy. T-Mac, how you feeling today, man? Gunner, I'm doing great. I'm getting ready for uh, March Madness. It's pretty cool. So correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that you will ever call a March Madness game. Is that correct? On TV, yeah. This is okay. actually the 25th anniversary of my first ever NCAA game uh, in Indianapolis. Ironically enough, it was on radio. Uh, I did Princeton basketball for about nine years. It started with Pete Carrill's final season as the Princeton head coach. And people might remember that was the year that they knocked off Penn in a, a, a playoff game. In fact, a friend Dunphy and I talked about that the other day and then beat UCLA, the defending national champions in the first round at the RCA dome. Of oh all my things, goodness. <laughs> which I thought was a great place. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, about 10 years later, like, yeah, we're going to knock that down and build Lucas oil stadium. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, it, it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, TV is, I'm a radio guy by trade, as you know, and then TV sort of has come over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, but to get the chance to kind of migrate from radio to TV, even if it's just for this one year, I'm pretty excited about it. How did you get selected? So I, I've been working for CBS for, gosh, it's got to be more than a dozen years as yep. college basketball. Uh, first, the NF, first, the college football. I mm -hmm. did when they were CSTV, 
uh, I did their division one double a package, which was kind of funny. It was me and Scott Zolak, the radio voice of the oh, Patriots yeah. and the consummate backup quarterback in NFL history. Um, you know, Andrew Bledsoe's coattails. Um, you know, we, he and I would go all over the country doing these one double a games. And I had done Princeton football, Rutgers football on the radio, but that was my first foray into TV. Anyway, I've been with CBS for a long time. I've kind of gradually mixed in a football and basketball schedule in my Philly schedule. Uh, Phillies have always been the priority, but they've been really good about allowing me to sort of float and do these other games, which has been awesome. Uh, so, you know, about, I guess about six or seven years ago, I started doing the NFL on CBS. And then after doing college basketball on CBS sports network, which is the satellite station of CBS, um, you know, I started doing big CBS games as we call them. And then eventually, uh, last year I was supposed to do the first four in Dayton. That was gonna be my first year. And then obviously everything was canceled. So it's kind of just been slow, but sure. Um, I haven't pushed it for any, you know, for no better reason than I love my primary job. Uh, but the fact that I'm able to squeeze it in uh, at the help of the Phillies has been awesome. I'm talking to uh, Phillies TV play-by-play man Tom McCarthy, who right now is being quarantined in right. a hotel in Indianapolis. What is that like, man? You know, it's not that bad. I mean, it, it, you know, we, we're so used to it with uh, the National Football League. We would go in on Thursday and have to quarantine for 24 hours before our test results came back. And then eventually, you know, we were able to um, go do the games, but we had to kind of stay in the, the hotel room, but it's not bad. I mean, I have so much work, Gunner, to do uh, for these games, so much reading, so much video. That time we got here yesterday, my, my, my one son is here as my stats person. Um, he's getting ready to leave for his minor league baseball season in about a month and a half. So, you know, he's in one room, I'm in another room. So mm-hmm. we've been watching videos uh, he keeps busier than I do with uh, with 23 year old things, uh, <laughs> but it, it hasn't been bad. You know, it's just I always tell people that, you know, we have our life is is pretty good with being able to do these games. I'm just thankful that we're going to be at an arena watching a live sporting event with fans around us. You know, they'll be uh, back a, f- a few hundred feet, but still fans there. I'm excited about just that energy. But being in the hotel, it's you know, it's. It's great. I mean, I, I get a chance to watch a lot of video and, and read a lot of different stories about these teams. So many people love the NCAA tournament, so you're going to be under the microscope, so to yeah. speak, uh, in your first game. You've been calling games forever, man, but do you still get butterflies? I think I'm going to have butterflies gonna, when I first start. Just okay. because it's new. It's different. My thought is going to be that as soon as the game gets going, I, I'm going to be fine. Um I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I'm excited about it. Uh, I know that I've, I only have a few games left before baseball really, you know, get begins. And uh, yeah, I do get nervous. I, I get nervous energy more than anything else. And I okay. think that's good because you know what it does? It makes you focus, you know, it gives you the sort of tunnel vision to, to do your job. I always tell kids who are broadcasters that, you know, you're going to have those butterflies. And I said, that's great. That's an adrenaline rush. Well, you know, I, I started out as a uh, a writer after I got cut from the baseball team in college, and I used to love writing on deadline. You know, that okay. adrenaline rush of writing on deadline, and being behind the microphone and in front of the camera—that's the that's a similar adrenaline rush. You know, it really gets you going. 
You will be calling this uh, game, uh, your first game Friday night, uh, North Texas versus Purdue with Avery Johnson, of course, uh, former NBA veteran and, of course, former Alabama head coach. Have you ever worked with Avery before? I haven't. Uh, I've watched a lot of his games over the last couple of weeks just to kind of get used to his cadence. Uh, what a wonderful guy to talk. I mean, wonderful person to talk to. Um, he did the Conference USA Championship with Carter Blackburn, and they did a really good job. I'm excited about it. You know, his demeanor is is just what you think it would be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's got a lot of information, and he's got a style that I think is really good because it, it's I don't want to say it's off the cuff, but he reacts right. to what he sees, and I think that's really important. Okay, so you've worked with so many different guys when you're calling a game, whether it's radio or TV. How long does it take? for two guys who don't know each other well to get into a rhythm, to get that chemistry, that continuity going? You know, I think it varies from guy to guy. You know, okay. Ruben Amaro and I are, uh, have known each other forever and we're doing Phillies games now together. And um, we have done probably seven or eight uh, and he's relaxing more and more. And I think that I can feel it when I'm doing those games. So mm-hmm. it makes everything comfortable, it makes the room comfortable. And I think he, he's doing a really good job with it. Um, there are certain guys that you click with right away. Ala Abdelnabi, I clicked with within a matter of seconds yep. our first college game. And I think, you know, people in the Delaware Valley know him because of his Sixers work. Uh, he and I are the same age. We played high school basketball the same year. Uh, we combined to score 2,300 points. He scored 2,200 of them. Um, we weren't on the same team. We were on just different <laughs> ends uh, but yeah, there's certain guys you click with almost immediately and it doesn't take long as long as you allow the person that you're working with okay. to be the person. Um, you can't, uh, you can't force, you know, a, a, a round peg into a square hole. Mm-hmm. You've got to allow them to be who they are. And I think that that's something that I learned at a really young age as a broadcaster. People always ask me because I have a lot of partners with the Phillies. They say, is it hard or do you have to change? And I say, no, I don't really change. I just adjust and let them just be themselves. And I think that's because mm. the, they let me be myself. Yep. So I let yep. them just be their self. And I kind of feed off that. All right. You can do Phillies baseball in your sleep. You know the players year in <laughs> and year out. You know the stadiums you travel to. You've been to them millions of times. But when you're doing something like college basketball, how difficult, how intense is the preparation to get ready for that first game? It is. It's intense. In fact, last night I was I was up until about eleven forty five, uh, you know, just reading stories, and I kept writing. Oh, this is a good note. Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. note. And then finally, I sat back and said, "Okay, it's a forty minute game. Maybe it's more with overtime. I'm not going to get all these stories in." Right. So I tried to just have different cues to sort of remember stories and kind of tell them in the best way I can. Can't be scripted because if it's scripted, it's going to sound so unnatural. But there are so many cool stories, even with the four teams I have right out of the gate. Right. There are so many cool stories. The kid from Purdue, Jaden Ivory, whose mom is the head basketball coach at Notre Dame. So I watched her radio show. I mean, I watched her Zoom broadcast of her radio show from last week, and he was on. And I learned four things from him that I was like, wow, that's a great story. That's a great (laughs) story. But then I'm like, I'm not going to be able to use all that. So you just try to consume as much as you can. And sort of get rid of the clutter because when it comes down to it, it's about what's on the floor and telling these kids stories, but it's right. also about really what's on the floor. All right. So 
Friday night, you have, as I mentioned a moment ago, you have North Texas against Purdue. Saturday, you're calling Missouri against Oklahoma. I mean, T-Mac, how much do you know about North Texas? Seriously. (laughs) You know, it's it's a great question, Gunnar. I've watched three of their games, and you can find out a lot about them uh, when you watch their games just because I I watch them more for body type. Okay. And so I can, so when I see them, I can describe it without having to worry about looking at anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could say Simmons is in the post. I could say, you know, JV on with his floater because that's what he's known for these di- different players. Uh, I've learned a lot about them, but you know, I've done radio for Westwood one for so many years that usually I have four games to prepare for that first day. Mm. This is two. I've had millions of times where I've done two games. So it's a little easier. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to, I, I will tell you that I didn't realize Purdue was as good as they are. Oh, yeah. I, so I've watched uh, like three of their games, even the Ohio State game, where they came from, you know, 19 down mm-hmm. and forced overtime. They're really good. And yeah. they've got, I think it's 33, 33 points per game come from their freshmen. That's a lot. So, you know, as well as I do. Yep. When a guy's a rookie in the NFL, by the end of the season, a lot of them are no longer rookies and they're playing like five-year veterans. It's kind of the same in college basketball. These kids are starting to play as if they've been in college basketball for three years. So I'm excited to see that. But North Texas, after you and I are done, um, I'm actually going to watch another game of theirs because they lost their last three in the regular season. And I want to see why they lost their last three because they won four straight in the tournament to win the championship. All right. You're in Indianapolis. Everything is, t- is converging in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. the entire tournament. How, how strange is that, man? Or how, how comforting is that? Because you can kind of peek in on other games as, as you get ready for your game more. So live, I would imagine than watching it on a television monitor. You know, it's funny uh, when we were driving in from the airport, my son said to me, he said, you know, this is the first time. And I forget the year. I think he said it yeah. was 1950 that a college championship, Mm-hmm. has been held in one venue. Which that's that's we, crazy. Where all the teams are in one venue. Now, we, you've got more than 60 teams here. So, um, you know, one, in one municipality. Now, there, the first four is, in, is at IU and, mm-hmm. and Purdue yep. and a couple of games there as well. Uh, but it's kind of – this is a great city, Indianapolis. Now, it's quiet right now because of the pandemic, uh, which is, you know, which is a shame – but it's a great city, and it's the ideal place, I think, to host uh, a tournament like this. I don't think it's going to be a common occurrence. Let's knock on wood and hope for that. But uh, it's kind of it's it's interesting because I've seen as I've checked in, you know, producers that I've worked with all year on CBS. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh, broadcast assistants that I've worked with all year. So it's kind of neat to see everybody kind of come together in one spot. Yeah, it's a shame. Indianapolis has some great restaurants. Also, are you allowed? Are you allowed to go out and and get a meal, or do you have to have everything uh, room service? Kind of have to have everything room serviced. You know, we can call ahead and just and pick up. Oh wow! And walk out, walk out, but we can't have dinner per se. But you know, that's been the case really all year, uh, Gunner. Even for the National Football League, so we're kind of used to it by now. And um, you know, it it's a great city, and I know one day it's going to be vibrant again, where we'll be able to do the things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just we're got to get to the light at the end of the tunnel. All right. One of the biggest attractions of this tournament is not even a team. It's Sister Jean, who is <laughs> 101 yeah. years old. 
she is like the team chaplain for Loyola of Chicago. Um, I saw on social media the other day it was announced that she will be at the tournament and people yeah. were going nuts. Um, will you go out of your way to try to meet Sister Jean and maybe shake her hand or just say wave hi to her or something? I, I would love to. I, I did meet her at one point. Uh, oh, great. We did the Missouri Valley Conference tournament a couple of years ago, uh, and she is wonderful. You know, uh, I think I have a photo of her somewhere. I don't remember if I still have it or not. Um, she's It's pretty impressive. You know, Porter Moser is a guy that I've known for a long time, their head yeah. coach. And, you know, as you probably know, when you go to Chicago, it is a gorgeous campus. Oh, I yes. Mean, it is beautiful. Uh, the fact that they are as successful as they are, and they're a good team, um, it's pretty cool for college basketball, but she's kind of like the, uh, you know, she's part of the sort of the character of this tournament. There's so many, I don't want to say sister jeans cause there's no, there's only one sister jean, right. so different storylines like that, that are really cool to sort of latch onto. Okay. I'm going to put you in a spot here. Mm-hmm. Who's your final four for this tournament? Uh, well, Gonzaga is my national champion. I've, I've done the four okay. of their games this year and, they're unbelievable. Mark Few has sent me pictures of moose that are running around his yard up in uh, Spokane. So I've become pretty friendly with him. Uh, and I love his team. I, I think Gunnar, they're one of the more balanced teams that we've seen in college basketball in years. Okay. However, Baylor is really good. So uh, Gonzaga and Baylor are one and two, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Michigan is number three. Uh, I just think that Juwan's done a great job and plus, you know, Phil's their assistant coach. So right. I got to give, give them a bit of a nod. Uh, and then Ohio State would be my fourth one. So, um, you know, the Big Ten's really good this year. They really are. Uh, but I would love to see – I know people people are like, oh, I don't want chalk. <laughs> I would love to see Baylor and Gonzaga in the national championship game. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's my – that's the dream matchup for the final four here in Indianapolis. You know, a lot of people have reservations about both teams because when you look at Gonzaga, uh, people say, well, they really haven't played anybody because you look at the conference they're in. Then you look at a team like Baylor, the best three-point shooting team in the country. But you know what they say, you live by the three, you die by the three. No doubt. No doubt. They, but they have, the, they, they have this guy for the, on the inside, Gunner, Mark Vital, yeah. who is just really good. And I think that if they do have trouble from the outside – um, the Butler kid and Vital can get to the rim, and I yep. think that's a really big deal. Now, for Gonzaga, um, they were scheduled to play Baylor here in Indianapolis in December. I was scheduled to do that game with Bill Raftery, and we arrived about an oh, hour wow. before the game. Uh, and there was a cup, there was, I think there were two positive tests for Gonzaga, so the game had to be postponed uh, because Marion County, the Department of Health here, just said, you know, we can't take a chance. Um, I think that despite the fact that their conference is probably not the strongest in the country, they have gone out of their way to play some good, good teams in the non-conference. They're still really good. I mean, they have this, this freshman, his name is Jalen Suggs, who, you know, is not only the best freshman next to Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma state in the country, but could be one of the top five players overall in the country. Uh, he was scheduled to go to Ohio State or Iowa State or Iowa to play defensive back, possibly quarterback. He is a he's a top five NBA lottery pick next year. Um, they just have more balance, Gunner, than than any team I've seen in a long time. They have their their quote unquote fifth best player, who I don't think is their fifth, but he gets the least amount of t- attention. Is this kid named Joel Ayayi? Uh, and he's got one of the funny, funner names to say in college basketball. Um, but he's 
I mean, he's really good too. So I still think that those two teams are the best teams in the country. All right, T-Mac, you, you've you been a broadcaster for so long, and you have so many good friends who are in the business as well. Mm. Give me one or two play-by-play guys that you will go out of your way to stop and just listen to because you just love the way they call a game and, and the flow of the games. Well, Dan Shulman is the first one when it comes to baseball. He uh, does he works for ESPN, uh, used to do Sunday Night Baseball, but is now the Blue Jays play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, I've told people that I do sit back and listen when Dan is on. And I tell a lot of young broadcasters, there are several guys that I would tell you to listen to. Uh, Dan is one of them. If you're going to watch baseball and even college basketball, Mike Breen is the other one for basketball, just because he has two partners and he's able to juggle both of those partners uh, when it comes to describing a game. And I think that's really important for young broadcasters is to be able to, like you and I've talked about just, uh, just uh, being able to be comfortable with your partners. Yes. So I always, when I'm, when I'm scuffling basketball wise, when it comes to the way I'm describing certain things, I go back and watch the Mike Breen game just to kind of get the feel of the floor. And sometimes it's Mike Breen on radio because of his Knicks work. Um, because I think that he's, he's really accomplished when it comes to doing basketball on, on the radio. So those are two guys that I stop and listen to. I, you know, it, it's funny because it used to be anytime Vince Scully was on, I stopped and listened. Oh anytime, yeah. Anytime my, my radio dial went to Detroit for Ernie Harwell, I stopped and listened. So when I was first starting out in this business, I was doing Princeton football from Palmer stadium, one of the oldest places in the world where you walked up the steps and the stairs would come back like this, and you'd have to kind of balance yourself to get up there. So it would be me and uh, my partner, Philadelphia and Delaware Valley people know him as Walt Perez from ABC. Um, well, Walt played football at Duke. He was a 330-pound offensive lineman. You would not know it by looking wow. at him. Wow. Yeah, he's an Adonis now. Uh, anyway, he was my partner for Princeton football. So it would be me and him and our equipment. We'd have no stat monitor. So we would be doing everything sort of by hand. Ernie Harwell, one day when I was doing stats for him up in Toronto for a major league baseball game on radio, uh, showed me how to keep stats when you're doing a one-man broadcast. And to this day, I still use that. So I used to stop and listen to him. Uh, Bob Murphy was one guy that I grew up listening to all the time in New York doing the Mets games. Uh, obviously, Harry and Whitey, because of where I grew up in Jersey, I would listen to them all the time because they had such a different style. Um, but there's nobody that made a home run call or any big call better than Harry to this day. Nobody's made a bigger call. So, you know, those are some of the people that, that I would stop and listen to, but showman and, and, um, and Mike Breen right now are the mm-hmm. two that I, I stop and listen to when they're on. All right. I know you have a tight schedule because you're in such demand today. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw in, I'm going to throw in a few baseball questions for you before I let you go here. Cool. Uh, your Phillies, man. Um, I, I've been looking at projections uh, uh, from so-called experts, and most people are picking the Phillies to finish in the middle or the bottom of the NL East. Uh, T-Mac, give me some optimism here, man. Tell me something. Well, I think that one of the biggest things that I'm optimistic about, Derek, from this spring are the way Zach Eflin's thrown as the potential three-starter and Matt Moore has thrown as the potential four-starter. Uh, I still think pitching is, if if there is something that the Phillies have to answer, it's pitching. Uh, and, and, and they may have the answers, but they just have to be able to pitch well to compete in the National League East. I do not think 
that the National League East winner will have more than 95 wins. I think the division's the best division in baseball. Uh, and I think because of that, they're going to be battling each other. Um, do I think the Phillies are the third best team right now on paper? I do think they're the third best team. But I don't think that that means that they're not going to make the postseason or win the win the division. I think that their offense is fine. As long as they're healthy, their offense is fine. Uh, I do think it's going to come down to the pitching. I don't know. It's, it's funny because people have asked me about the bullpen. I think that they have the pieces, the veteran pieces for this bullpen to be exorbitantly better than last year when their ERA was over seven. Uh, and if they were one, if they were half a run better last year, they would have made the postseason. So I think the bullpen is going to be veteran laden. And I think they could roll with that. And that's fine. Uh, I think the question marks are still the starting pitching. And I think they're answering some of those right now in spring training. So I think the Pakota projections had them at 83 and a half wins. Uh, I think that they're probably a, a, a few wins better than that going by the time the season ends. I, I think a lot of people, too, have major question marks about the bullpen, as you were just talking about, because the opposition hit against, like 315 against their bullpen, oh, yeah. and they had more blown saves than actual saves last yeah. year. So it, it's like... You know, eh, we, you know, it's like an unknown entity, you know, um, Bermuda Triangle. You may you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. You know, if you think back to the 07 season when the Mets faltered the last 10 days and the Phillies emerged, the Phillies were on the opposite end of that last year. They just that last week, they just they couldn't win. They lost six of seven. They only needed one more win to get to the postseason. And the bullpen, I. I you know, they always talk about jinxes. A year earlier, I have to say on the air, we were kind of making fun of the Nationals bullpen the first half of the year, and then they went on and won the championship. <laughs> they had the first half the first half of the year, they had the worst bullpen, I think, in the history of bullpens. Um, and then all of a sudden, the Phillies had the worst bullpen since 1930 last year. <laughs> so it's got to be better in this year. And I think it will be better. I think it really will be. Um, I still think... You know, people have asked me who's the closer. I still think it's Hector, and then Archie Bradley will set him up, uh, and I'm okay with them interchanging the, that that piece as the year goes on if they have to. Uh, I think that Brandon Kinsler is going to be a nice addition. Jose Alvarado, you know, throws 100, and it goes all over the place. Hopefully it goes in the strike zone. So they've got some – I think they have potentially some good arms that can make this bullpen better. You know, now that the people are starting to get the vaccine um, and things are starting to open up in America again, um, what do you think it's going to be like at Citizens Bank Park? I think they're allowing what, maybe what, 20 percent, 30 percent of fans? Right now, right now it's 8,800. There's 8,800. OK. Yeah, there's a chance, according to Governor Wolf, that it can go up to 11 to uh, after the first week of April. Depends on the city. I think that they have some things they have to work out as far as social distancing goes. Um I did the Bills Ravens game playoff game on the radio this past year, and there were 6,700 people up at Bills Stadium, and it sounded like there were 67,000. I just think any fans are going to make a difference, and hopefully, as the year goes on, the numbers will get better. And I, I mean, they have to get better and better, so that's a good thing uh, because I think it's an indication of how our society is reacting to everything too. Um, I'm not saying that baseball is a roadmap, but I think every sporting event is a decent roadmap for how we're healing as a country when it comes to this pandemic. And I think that's a good thing. You're you're in environments where you have a lot of people um, in, in small, confined spaces from the NCAA tournament, a baseball and a broadcast booth, so on and so forth. Have you gotten vaccinated yet? 
Not, I'm, I'm halfway done. So, oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. So I'm halfway done, and uh, I not for another couple weeks do I get the second one. So that's a good thing. Uh, the most important people in my life have gotten vaccinated: my mother, my mother-in-law, uh, my my wife, uh, and I have one daughter who's uh, immune def- deficient, so she's gotten it. So those are the people that I was most concerned about, family-wise, and uh, they have been taken care of. So that's a good thing. Yeah. But in a couple of weeks, I'll have my second one. Yeah, uh, which will be great. That's awesome, dude. And, and T Mac, uh, good luck to you um, on Friday night's call, North Texas against Purdue. If Tom McCarthy's behind the mic, D Gun is listening. And so I, I can't, it, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on Gun on One the podcast. And you know, down the road when the baseball season opens up, don't be surprised if you get another text from me again. T Mac, can you come on Gun on One again, brother? Yes, I will definitely be able to go. We'll have some good baseball stories to talk about. Good. All right, that's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One, brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. For my friend and colleague, Tom McCarthy, I'm Derek Gunn. And to each and every one of you out there, as I do each and every week, stay blessed. And more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.